Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Big shout out to our super producer, Mr. Max Williams. Oh. Yeah. Big shout out to uh, Mr. Noel Brown. Uh, they call me Ben. We want to shout out one guy in particular for this episode, a primary source on almost everything about this story, uh, Dr. John Waller. Uh, we even, and this is true, we even worked on a little song about today's episode. Uh, <laughs> if we're ready <laughs> for the ABBA fans, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, now, Noel, you're the probably the most musically gifted. Oh, but I'm forgetting how the synth part in, in, okay. in Dancing Queen goes. Well, Maybe uh, I can we can add it. I'm yeah, sorry, no spoilers, y'all. Uh, please. Let's, well, we got it, we got. It. Let's. All right, here we go. Uh, our song for this is Dancing Plague. Jump and yell, and then we'll scream all day. Something, something had to be that way. It was a dancing plague. I, I can't. Uh, yes. Yes. I can't really sing. Flutes, you know. Yeah. Oh my goodness, Dan, yeah, Abba, uh, they're uh, fantastic. Uh, aren't they Swedish? They're Swedish, right? Yeah, uh, I think they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I so, so. The, you know, the Swedes responsible for the food pyramid, uh, uh, and Ikea. also at, at IKEA. They're obviously really good at design, and they know how to pump out the bangers. Because also, like Max Martin and a lot of these like uh, kind of hit factory producers, they're they're Swedish. It's it's a, it's a whole thing. But uh, yeah, we're not really talking about Sweden specifically today. We are talking about a dancing plague, though. Yeah, it's a real thing. Okay, so here's the story. In July of 1518, residents of a city called Strasbourg, which is still around, uh, it was part of the Holy Roman Empire at the time, all of a sudden, they were out dancing in the street, like that oldie song about summer's here and the time is right. Uh, but they 
didn't want to dance. They had an uncontrollable urge, a compulsion, uh, some kind of mass hysteria, you might call it. A lady stepped into the street and then apparently, you know, without music and without a particularly joyful look, she started to twist and twirl and sort of shake. Twist and shout? Was yeah, there, sh- I, there was there was shouting promised in the song. Uh, there so, was, so I, yeah. there yeah. was definitely shouting in this plague. Yeah. Okay. So she she is doing this right pretty consistently, according to the story, for almost a week. And by the time this she's been doing this uh, for almost a week, more than three dozen other residents of the city are also out there kind of, and I don't know. Yeah. Flash mob. There Mm -hmm. we go. I don't know if it looked like actual dancing or if it looked like a bunch of people having seizures. Yeah. Probably more the latter. I I would, I would think, but it's true by August, there was an epidemic and it wasn't just fun and games. It wasn't just dancing in the streets with David Bowie and Mick Jagger, you know, jerking around out there. People died. Yeah, and it's it's so strange. We'll get into it. Uh, right now, it sounds like these events might be apocryphal, right? It might be kind of a legend, like the calendar heist we talked about on stuff they don't want you to know. But the thing is, there is clear sourcing. There's clear documentation and evidence, uh, thanks to the work of John Waller, that this did happen. As a matter of fact, there's more than one dancing plague. It started to get the street name. Dancing plague. Sorry. It's, <laughs> it's catchy, a, right? Catchy jam. St. Yeah. Vitus's dance, they were calling it. And a bunch of people wrote about this. Monks, priests, physicians, historians. Uh, you can even find orders from law enforcement at the time that are like, what the heck is happening? Would this have been the kind of thing at this time in history that would have been more likely associated with some sort of demonic presence than uh, than perhaps a medical malady? A hundred percent. I think actually, and we'll get to this too, I think the physicians, contemporary medical experts at the time, didn't know what on earth was happening? So they blamed the issue on hot blood. They said, "You got hot blood. Shake it out. Shake it Too out." Too much baby. of those humors. You gotta, you gotta <laughs> leech, leech it out of you. Yeah, yeah. Do a little blooding. Blood <laughs> Do it. And then the, yeah. the leeches start to dance. Yeah, of right. course. Of yeah. course, they got hot blood. They just drank hot blood. Hot-blooded. Check it, it and see. <laughs> My blood is running down a hundred and three. Yeah. <laughs> so the is eating all my blood, but it's dancing, <laughs> dancing. Yeah, I, I'm oh, doing yeah. this off the top of my head. I'm it's good. Sorry. The, we're all working live here. We so. would be so fun at karaoke. Noel, Noel's a real showstopper with it. I, I mean that sincerely. I appreciate that. Yeah. I enjoy Me good too. karaoke. Yeah. It'd be awkward if I thought you were terrible. And I was like, hey, bud, you're getting out there. That's pretty. No, you've, you've seen me. You've seen, you've yeah, seen my chops. I got yeah. the karaoke. I got the Yoki chops. We've yeah. been around the world together. Well, we will be around the world. We'll circumnavigate at some point. Uh, I, I, I can't find my baby. <laughs> Sorry, please. <laughs> no, no, let's do it. Let's do it. So, uh, so the most famous of these incidents of dancing plagues happened in 1518, like we talked about. Strasbourg is now on the eastern border of modern-day France. It's about two hours west of Stuttgart. The most German-sounding city in all of Germany. Yeah. Stuttgart! You, you, you went to Stuttgart, right? You no, I went to I went to Berlin, and then I went to Leipzig. But That's I swear, right. But, but I would argue Stuttgart is definitely a little more German sounding. Yeah, it almost sounds like a curse, mm-hmm. like calling someone. Uh, uh, <clears throat> you are an unrepentant Stuttgart, sir. Okay, so we talked about this this person, the lady that 
we believe set off the dance. She's called Frau or you know Mrs. Basically Trophea, and she kept dancing until she collapsed. Like astute listeners, you know it's impossible for someone to dance without stopping for almost a week. So she would dance until she physically collapsed. And then when her body had rested up, as soon as she came to, she started dancing again. And 30 people seemed to somehow catch this. No one had any idea how is it being communicated, right? Is this a miasma? Is there something biting people? Is there something in the water? Is no this pre, one knows. pre or post Black Plague? This is going to be during the Black... This is going to be after the Black Plague. Black so they're Plague figuring is, out yeah. these types of transmission sources and all of that. They're also very much working live. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Black, the black Plague has... Um, is still, to this day, the most fatal pandemic in known history. And it was a wave of infections from, I think in in Europe, it peaked from 1347 to 1351. So people were aware that- And it took a bit for them to figure out that it was rats that were uh, were the vector, right? Right, carrying those fleas. Yeah, that's the- um, that That's the modern understanding. They They didn't have that understanding at this point. They were just very scared, as they should have been. Uh, so this 1518 event is probably the last of several outbreaks that predated the Black Plague. Uh, there's there's hints that these things also occurred in the 10th century all the way through the 16th. The first one took place in 1374, so like right after the peak of the Black Plague, and it was around the Rhine River. So Maybe we talk about some of these other plagues just to give people a sense of like how common this was. I don't want to say common, but it was more than one isolated incident. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man... 
how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> You're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Oh, for sure. In another city in Germany or a town named Kolbich, uh, on Christmas Eve of 1021, 18 people that were hanging out outside of a church started to wildly gesticulate, <laughs> uh, spasmodically. The priest um, was not able to carry on with the traditional Christmas Eve mass because of this chaos happening outside in the streets. He asked them to stop, but they the, the dance was within them, you know? Um, and he started to think maybe there was some demon at play. Uh, it was referred to by historians as a ring dance of sin. There was all kinds of untoward behavior. Leaping, you know? Oh, chanting, clapping, you know? Yeah, the priest was absolutely livid. Um, and according to historians or even local, I guess, what you would consider journalists of the time, the priest actually... You know, because at the time, of course, priests were the law of the land in many ways. They they had more power than the government. Um, he cursed them to dance for one year's time in order to punish them for what he saw as some sort of, you know, spontaneous revel kind of, right? That's so that's so crazy too. The idea that a Christian priest is out here putting curses on people. Yeah, you know? that's not very Christian. It doesn't feel like that, mm -hmm. but all right. If you are the average person in the medieval era at this time, this story seems actually easy to believe. People start saying, well, the ways of God are mysterious. You know, there's a hidden world all around us, and this must be the result of uh, something those people did wrong. And we don't— Somebody's responsible for this. Right. But it's definitely not me. Right, exactly. And— we don't know a ton about the chronicler. Uh, think of it like a historian who is writing about this, but we can't dismiss it as pure invention. It seems like they, at the very least, uh, embellished a true event. You know, the way Lifetime producers do when they make movies. Uh, the, the issue is that plenty of other sources talk about these bouts of unstoppable, sometimes fatal dancing in just a, a, a few centuries later in 1247 in another German town. So far, this is a German thing. And really quickly, speaking of sources, once again, John Waller, check yes. out his piece uh, or his, his research published in the British Psychological Society, Dancing Plagues and Mass Hysteria, because we've reported or, or done episodes on mass hysteria in Ridiculous History, but also specifically uh, in Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, because mass hysteria, oftentimes there was some underlying medical cause, but a lot of times, too, it was 
people following the lead of those who are maybe faking. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And this, so this happens. Now we're talking 200 people in this German town, Erfurt. Uh, not quite Stuttgart, but still very German. Mm-hmm. And an, another outbreak happens in 1374. And this one is the one we teased earlier. Multiple like dozens of towns along the Rhine River. These right. People, yeah. The Erfurt one, by the way, too, was on a bridge over the Mosul River. Ah. So just this, uh, this uh, proximity to rivers, I think, may well become a theme here, but just, yeah. just, just, uh, just doing a little mild uh, foreshadowing. Yeah, good to note. And within a few weeks in these towns along the Rhine River, it was obvious there was a huge problem. The epidemic went on unchecked for months. And again, although it sounds really funny, we have to realize these people were having, it was having terrible effects on their ha- on their health. They were dancing until they collapsed, you know, uh, just like that curse in Hocus Pocus, the first one. Uh, and- sure, or, or, you know, a thing that often happens in uh, kind of ritual ceremonies, perhaps, like if you've ever seen the movie Midsommar, um, there's a uh, kind of a, a, what is it, May Mayfair kind of tradition where it's like a dancing contest and whoever literally is the last person standing is crowned the May Queen or whatever. And again, I mean, this is a movie, I don't know how accurate that is, but I've also seen this in other forms of lore, you know, the idea of like being the last person standing in a wild dance competition. Yeah. And there are other, this is a time of other strange compulsions. If you go outside of Germany to the Spanish Netherlands, then you'll see in 1491, there were, there was this group of nuns that were quote unquote possessed by evil spirits that compelled them to get the zoomies, like a cute little dog, Mm -hmm. uh, jump out of trees or meow and cosplay cats trying to climb trees, not the same, uh, not the same thing as dancing, but still weird, right? Very weird. And I, I want to just say, can you imagine being, you know, attacked by a nun who jumps out at you from the, the branches of a tall tree? That sounds like about the most terrifying thing I could possibly picture. Uh, the only, it'd only be scarier if the nun was also a clown, like a clown nun. Mm-hmm. That's a thing. <laughs> I hope not. I hope it's not a widespread thing, but, uh, All right, so you go over the next few centuries and you see that uh, nunneries in general from Rome to Paris are, uh, they're they're becoming these hotspots for delirium, for what appears to be outbreaks of mass hysteria. We're talking people seemingly without explanation, foaming, screaming, uh, violating various social taboos about sexuality and... and, um, behavior, comportion of a holy woman, uh, and then even making these wild extravagant claims like, I have I have had sex with demons or Jesus Christ or both. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of this stuff historically makes sense to have served as some, you know, inspiration for fictional accounts of zombie-type scenarios, you know, where everyone oh, yeah. all of a sudden becomes this mindless kind of drone uh, acting not uh, of their own volition. And it, it really reminds me a lot of this uh, show based on the video game uh, The Last of Us, where these cordyceps, uh, you know, fungi that actually are real and infect ants and can cause them to act not in their own best interest to benefit the the fungus. Uh, once again, fungus 
fungus, fungi, fungi and mushrooms, fascinating things. Oh, uh, probably yeah. the closest things to extraterrestrials that we have, that we have access to, uh, to study. But in that film, you know, a lot of these folks, they have this herd mentality, you know, and they all of a sudden are, you know, wildly gesticulating and running around and there are stages of it as well. Yeah, yeah. And this is, this is crazy stuff, right? Uh, and we also know that there's a lot of, there are a lot of tall tales that get treated as fact from this period in history. And when you do some digging, you find out maybe there's more or less to the story than is presented in popular culture today. But we do know the dancing plagues of 1374 and 1518 actually did happen. There's a lot of primary sourcing. Again, our pal John has uh, led the charge, finding this, digging into it. And so when we set the stage here, I think it's time for us to answer like the uh, the billion dollar question or attempt, what could have caused this dancing plague? For this answer, we have to go over to The Lancet, another article by John Waller, A Forgotten Plague, Making Sense of Dancing Mania. Mm-hmm. What What do we think? What could have... I don't know. Well, there are theories, right? Th- there certainly are theories, and there are theories that are also associated with other forms of mass hysteria, one being the accidental ingestion of ergot, which is a mold that grows on the stalks of rye crops and can cause hallucinations, you know, essentially spasms or fits, uh, tremors, kind of, you know, shaking uncontrollably. And they certainly, these types of things certainly did occur in medieval Europe when people ate this contaminated flour, but it's all about timing. And this is another thing that was associated with, I believe, the witch trials in Salem. One of the theories. One of the theories, but that's, it's, it's also been kind of debunked in that historical event as well, as it kind of has been here, because it doesn't quite seem to match up with the scale of the thing. Right, because ergot can make... Uh, something that's kind of a kissing cousin of LSD-25. So the idea then is that people are behaving strangely because they got ergot poisoning and they're they're tripping, essentially. But John Waller is saying, you know, to your point about timing, Noel, it's if you had that kind of poisoning, it's unlikely that you would have hallucinated for that long, for days yeah, at a time. Unless you re-ingested the stuff, which is also unlikely mm-hmm. uh, if you were in a, a, a fit of uncontrollable, you know, dancing. Yeah, exactly. So so Waller, again, the world expert on this, does uh, says it's not particularly tenable, but points out the same thing that, that we were thinking about just off the cuff here. Virtually every outbreak according to him, occurred somewhere along the Rhine and Moselle rivers. Uh, And he says, yes, there's a lot of agriculture there at the time, but they were in different climates. They were using different crops. So how could these very different crops and climates produce ergot such that it has the same effect? The thing is, it does seem like the victims were having their minds altered somehow. There seems to be something hallucinatory about this because that's near a superhuman level of endurance to physically dance until you collapse. Pop till you drop. Yeah. And and it, maybe they're in a trance state. Again, it's not like they're singing and inventing the hokey pokey. These are people who are probably waking up terrified, 
Right. Well, and the yeah, it reminds me of, you know, the LSD experiments done, you know, under uh the, the CIA, which is so horrible when you think about the idea of of dosing unsuspecting people with a substance where they don't understand what's happening to them. If anyone out there has ever, you know, experimented with any kind of psychedelic substance before, you know that it's something that can be very, you know, all-encompassing and can be very scary, or, you know, based on what I've read. But can you imagine not knowing what the source of that uh, feeling might be and for it to come out of nowhere? You would think you were dying. You yeah. would think you were in some way, especially at the time here, possessed. And also a lot of the accounts of this do sound like the folks were in physical pain outside of just the act of dancing. that They were screaming out, you know, in pain to be, to be helped. They were also apparently screaming out the names of devils. Uh, th this is this one I think is mm, a little bit. Uh, I, I don't think this is reliable, but legend has it they showed strange aversions, the pointed shoes, and the color red. Uh, they would also say things like "I'm drowning in a red sea of blood," and this is where I think we we pass the mic to uh, Max real quick. Uh, I think we've got some Max with the facts on the way. All right, so I got two things, actually. So the first one is there's actually a drawing of basically this outbreak, this plague, from Peter Bruegel the Elder. And for fans of the series, that might sound familiar because he's the same guy who painted Curling. He's our first uh, known no reference to Curling. Yeah, so if uh, you haven't listened to the curling episode, you should go back and listen to that. But Way guys, more interesting than you might think. Just, just putting that out there again. But as I said, I got two things. And Ben, you mentioned the hokey pokey. And I just want to say, did you guys know I used to be addicted to the hokey pokey? I'm oh, sorry. but you turned yourself around, I imagine. Yeah, then I Thank turned God. myself around. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, all right. Don't worry, I'll boot myself there. No, no, no. Also, no. speaking of the hokey pokey, not to, to derail you, I want you to finish. Isn't Ring Around the Rosie a plague song too that yes. describes a kind of 100%. uncontrollable dance that was being mm -hmm. done? I thought it was Scarlet Fever. Uh, it is uh, Ring Around the Rosie is uh, a description of various of the Black Plague and of various cures purported cures for okay the so the, like, the dance wasn't an uncontrollable dance it was sort of something that was intended to ritualistically cure it because i know that the ring around the rosy was describing literally a uh like a mark of yeah, some kind a boobule or whatever they're called yeah it's the physical it, it's the um it's the way the infection looks on skin. It's really dark when you realize what that nursery rhyme is about. Pocket full of posy, being a purported cure or a way to ward off the plague, and then they all fall down. AKA die. Right. Ashes, ashes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're not talking about eating ashes for nutrition, which is, oh, wait, this, this is coming out before our Food Pyramid episode, maybe. We'll, well see. Teaser. Uh, It'll make sense. Yeah, yeah. Accidental teaser. So this picture that Bruegel shows us uh, is pretty disturbing, especially because of the blank expressions of the people dancing. They mm. don't look like they're having fun. 
Have you gotten to the part in uh, Elden Ring where there's a village with all of these crazy, like, culty dancing yeah. people? Yeah. And it's very similar. They, they won't mess with you unless you attack them first, but they have these blank expressions and they're kind of all dancing. Exactly. And I, I, I haven't really gotten to, I sort of took a pause on that game because it was too hard. But um, I feel like there's some lore hidden in, in some of the items that you might pick up in that game that might describe what's going on with these folks. And yeah. wouldn't be surprised if it was inspired by something like this. I also paused on Elden Ring. I went back to Skyrim and I think I was I was texting um maybe maybe it was you Max where I realized that I'm at the level of Skyrim. I'm just trying to get to level 80 now so I can just grind things, but I'm basically I've turned it into Animal Crossing. I go around in my little houses, I build little improvements, you know? I collect fish. <laughs> yeah, there was that one day it was off mic. It was you me and uh obviously friend of the podcast Matt Frederick and Matt was talking about it, and he's all like getting into Skyrim and then you and I just went on a rant about all the end game stuff and how uh not much fun it is at the end it's just getting houses and stuff <sighs> I, th I think we really capped his ceiling on what he thinks of that game now no I mean Matt's a beast though with those kind of games so he's like, really good at him he's really oh, yeah. good yeah if you want to learn more check out the ephemeral second part where we have Matt on talking about video games with us beautiful and, uh, you know, you can feel like you're, God, I love that you're uh, mentioning that Elden Ring thing. We need to learn more about the lore there. But yeah, that's, that's a pretty strangely accurate depiction of what this dancing plague looks like. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. 
we do know that psychologically, humans still have the same hardware now as they did back then. So if you have a lot of bad stress, distress, it increases your likelihood of succumbing to an involuntary trance state. And then there's there's this uh, interesting parallel that Waller draws. He says, this might not be a coincidence that the dancing plague of 1374 was spreading in areas that had suffered the worst consequences of a devastating flood. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like, again, it's, it feels like something's in the water. Right? I, I yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also life just kind of stinks. Harvests are doing terribly. And again, these are largely agrarian economies. The grain prices are the highest they've ever been in most people's lifetime. Syphilis is everywhere, right? Leprosy's back. And oh, if that's not enough, guess what? Still here, never left. Shout out to the plague. Don't call it a comeback. And yeah, things literally did stink, like actually, because (laughs) the thing that was in the water was probably human waste. We know about the great stink of London, you know, and, and how that led to sanitation reform. But this is well before that. And there was a lot of just human waste being thrown out into the streets and running off into, you know, the things that would feed these bodies of water. Yeah, and if despair creates the, you know, the fertile soil for an extreme psychological reaction, it still doesn't explain why so many people danced. Why didn't they freak out and have riots? You know what I mean? Why did no one just kind of go into a catatonic state? Mm-hmm. This is where you have to look toward anthropology. And this is very interesting to us because in Stuff They Want You Know, we've looked at a lot of accounts of possession and exorcism and mass possession, like the Screaming Girls of Malaysia episodes, right? Uh, Which is much more contemporary. And I think there's, if not of that exact event, there is video and audio of some of these uh, instances of mass hysteria. And it is bone chilling. Yeah. No, it's dark. They are not acting. Whatever is happening to them, they very much believe it. Uh, So if you look at possession rituals, what you see is there's a huge psychological aspect. People are more likely to enter a trance state if they expect it to happen and that they will behave in a ritualistic manner. Mm. And this manner in which they behave is shaped by the cultural lens of their society. Does that have to do with like people that are more susceptible to hypnosis and Ooh. also just kind of like w- when you're in that situation, you're sort of you're expecting and maybe hoping that you will be put into a, a trance? You know what? I I think there's a, a lot of sand to that one, Noel. I think that's a great observation. Like we know, and Waller points this out, we know that uh, female mediums in Madagascar, which has a very interesting religious background in comparison to um, the African continent, uh, in Madagascar, these mediums will take on distinct personas of the spirits that are believed to possess them. You also see this in Vudon, uh, where there's the pantheon of gods that can ride or possess practitioners and these uh, the people who are possessed by these loa will then exhibit known personality traits of that supernatural being. And, you know, I said Vudon, that's one of the names of uh, the belief system known today as Voodoo, V-O-D-O-U. 
So now we kind of get to the part of the story that maybe starts to lean more into the idea of mass hysteria and what might cause any psychological need or, you know, influence for behaving in this way. Yeah, yeah. So now we look at some more primary sources, legal works of the day, historical chronicles, even even unto paintings on altars. We see that people were aware of this and the zeitgeist of the day was one of terror. People were not just aware of this stuff happening. They were afraid it was on the way to them. And if you lived by a commercial waterway, you would probably be pretty terrified that these spirits might one day hit your town next, you know, because the one thing you know for sure is that it's happening around water. Again, people were clocking this in the days of yesteryear as well. That's right. And I think it shouldn't be, you know, minimized that, you know, while there certainly is almost definitely a medical explanation for this stuff, you know, you've heard of the idea of having a bad trip. Uh, it's all about like what your belief system is and how being in an altered state can really bring a lot of that stuff up to the fore. And this was a time of great fear of God and fear of retribution and fear of demonic possession and evil spirits from the beyond. So it makes sense that in terms of the zeitgeist, there would be a collective kind of emphasis on these types of things, you know, these ideas of rivers of blood and, you know, demons and devils. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, okay, so we're talking about expectations, right? We're talking about the psychology here. So there's another interesting thing Waller finds. It's that a lot of these outbreaks of the St. Vitus dance occur in towns that are close to cities that have already been infected by this mm -hmm. epidemic. Uh, so they're aware of it. They're thinking it's going to happen. All it would take then is uh, a few people believing themselves to be subject to the curse to slip into a trance. They start dancing. Someone else sees it. And then they might be driven by fear. They might think, okay, I can get through this by dancing. So maybe they mm -hmm. fall out of the trance for a second and they say, the only way to lift the curse is if I keep going. That's right. And it it, 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 it makes me uh, think of what we were talking about earlier, where in certain um, events of mass hysteria, sometimes there were people that were mimicking folks that were maybe not actually you know, afflicted, you mm -hmm. know, because it, the, the power of suggestion, you guys are amazing, there's dancing going on as we speak. The power of suggestion, when paired with religious ideology that's like incredibly deep-rooted, is incredibly powerful and can cause people to do things and to behave outside of their own best interests or outside of things that they would, you know, normally do. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, you can see the role of belief here when you look at the speed at which the epidemics disappeared, when people took cultural actions that seemed appropriate in the situation. So victims would pray at certain shrines, or the local clergy would uh, give them an exorcism ritual. We know about this because there are some accounts from the mid to late 1500s of cults of a bunch of entranced dancers in towns close to the Black Forest, right where the Rhine enters the North Sea. These people would deliberately enter a trance, and then they would dance, and they were fancy about it. They danced with music, and they danced toward these shrines 
to uh, patron saints, to St. Vitus and St. John. And this seemed like there was a way to reframe the phenomenon here. This epidemic, whether it's psychological or physiological, this epidemic has now been channeled into becoming a positive thing, a religious ritual. Mm -hmm. Now we're dancing because we want to, and it's in service of our belief system. Yeah, you could leave your friends behind, and if mm-hmm. your friends don't dance, and if they don't dance, well, then they're no friends of mine. And going to hell. I'm going to just say this. I got signed up to do that song in karaoke when I was in Chicago one time. Uh-huh. A friend of mine. Not the easiest song to sing in karaoke, especially when you are quite inebriated like I was at the time. Put me in the game, coach. <laughs> yeah, I'll, 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 I'll go in there with you. Uh, oh, we but got I, churn- I did dance a lot. There you go. Well, there you at go. one point, I stopped singing and I just screamed, dance. Both the Williams brothers are dancing fools, that's for sure. By the mid-1600s, it seemed that the the dancing plagues are in a sharp decline. They disappear. And Waller ties this to the the decline of supernaturalism, right? Where the mid-1600s were entering a new era of thought. And by the late 1600s, St. Vitus's dance, it gets well, appropriated, that's the word Waller uses, to describe a very different medical condition. So really what we're learning, I think, is the power of belief, which can be as dangerous as it is positive. No, I completely agree. And we we teased a few other plagues that, you know, were similar to this early on. But we also have an incredible list of other odd plagues that I honestly think we should maybe just do another episode on weird plagues mm-hmm. um, because there's a ton of them out there, like things like the Pokemon shock. That's a thing. Yes, finally. Laughter epidemics. Uh, we won't, we don't want to give you too many too many spoilers because I, I think you're right, Noel. I think this is its own episode. Uh, with this in mind, we are going to call it a day. We're going to put on our own dancing shoes and go off to have some weird adventures. Uh, I think Noel, you and I might even briefly meet for a second. Oh, we'd love that. Yeah, and uh, we're <laughs> we're going to hang out because again, Max, Noel, and I are friends in real life. Uh, this is more than just a job to us, and we consider you a friend as well. So we hope that the next time you're dancing, it is consensual. You're happy. You're not tripping. And you can stop whenever you want. <laughs> yeah, tripping either physically, you know, over your feet Both. or yeah. uh, the, the, the cognitively. <laughs> also, before we end the episode, can I just say, let's dance. Put on your red shoes and dance the blues. How does one dance the blues? I've always, the, the blues doesn't really seem like much of a dancey uh, situation. Maybe I'm wrong. I need you kind of nod. Research. You kind of nod like, like I can tell get you the your body. I can tell you the answer. You want to know how? How? Let's dance to the song they're playing on the radio. Yeah, uh, well, tremble like a flower. Uh, that's uh-huh. they, they sort of describe the dance in the song. Always a fan of a song that describes how to do the dance that the song is uh, is about. <laughs> and, uh, and we are about done here. We hope you're having a we hope you're having a great week. Uh, we will be back either right after or right before this <laughs> with a, an exploration slash expose on the food pyramid. Uh, thanks as always to Jonathan Strickland. Our own St. Vitus. Thanks to, of course, uh, the magnificent work of John Waller. Uh, thanks to, let's see, Eve Jeffcoat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, super producer and research associate Max Williams, Alex Williams, who composed this theme. And thanks to you, Ben. 
We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways, rolling vineyards, and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25 until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.